Welcome back to the Creator Club podcast. You're here with John Marsh. And if you're a coach or creative business owner, this is your show to learn the key skills you need to attract dream clients, grow your business and build confidence. Today on the show, we've got a conversation with 2012 Ironman triathlon world champion, Pete Jacobs. Pete was a mentor of mine when I got into the sport in 2009 and he's been a great friend since then as well. Now Pete is building a health coaching service and business and in this conversation we're talking all about goal setting, in particular big picture goal setting. What does it look like to set goals that lead to winning a world title and then how can we apply this to business to the work that you're doing right now as well. We recorded this conversation back in April I think it was before the Creator Club podcast had kicked off officially. So this one's been sitting here on the hard drive. Time to get it out. I hope you enjoy it. Let's jump into the show. You're here with John Marsh, and this is the Creator Club podcast. Today, we're talking with Pete Jacobs. Something that came to mind when you mentioned this podcast was when my first sort of goals were written down for winning the world championship was actually just at a cafe with a mentor, and we scribbled it on the back of a napkin. So it doesn't really answer your question, but it's a, a nice little anecdote for where things started about three or four years before I won the world championship. And it was pretty much go top 10 next year, then we go podium and then we win. And exactly what panned out pretty much. Um, it may have been even longer out, and uh, but we did. We went to plan, it just happened. And part of the reason that it happened was because from my first Ironman when I was about 20 years old, when I crossed the finish line, I had this instinct in my heart, in my everything that this is what I was really good at and this is what I wanted to do. And I know all business owners that have a big goal can relate to, you, you might give up everything. You might give up security and a nice corporate job or whatever, but I hear it all the time that they've changed their direction completely because of an instinct that they had um, so I'd finished my landscape apprenticeship and wasn't really doing triathlon or anything that seriously before that. I was just a bit of an all-round athlete. But then when uh, my apprenticeship finished, it was like, right, I'm going to be a professional triathlete and I'm, one day I'm going to be world champion. And I guess now, so up, let's skip forward to now, how goals sit with me now um, as a health and performance coach, our business goals are very much the same as what you're you're teaching your clients with now um what i'm trying to learn off you as well and a few others is yeah how do we maintain that goal setting when it's not just one singular focus when you know there's 20 things that you've got to try and do each week um and the thing that really is the same for when i was a professional triathlete to now is routine you know, um, and the the guys that I coach now, whether it be for performance or for health, which they are really the same thing, it's routine that comes back to it. So they kind of know like, this is what happens on Monday. This is what happens Tuesday. Um, you don't really need to think too much about it. So you can save that energy uh, by and put it into more, you know, productive avenues rather than, you know, trying to figure out where, what you're doing that day every single week. Yeah. Yeah, no, that resonates a lot. Pete, I remember when we ran this retreat uh, and it, when it was, it was when we had the gym and you generously came in and, 
uh, helped facilitate one of the sessions and we had a bunch of business owners there and you gave a talk on, uh, it was a lot around goal setting and mindset. And I remember somebody asked the question around uh, when, you know, that, that shift that you spoke about just then when you wrote something on the back of the paper mm. and you already were a professional athlete and you're already competing with the best in the world. Uh, you were, you know, you know, one of the top in Australia and it was clear kind of where you were overall. And so, you know, I imagine that you knew it was possible to say win Hawaii or win the world championship. Mm. And the shift that you explained was that you decided that you really wanted the goal and that something it went from from thinking i know i could do this and you know i could i can keep going and i could i could do well to i want to do this and you know sometimes that could sound a little bit selfish i think it's exactly the opposite myself but can you talk through that that difference and how you think about that either back then or, or currently what does that mean to want the goal or to kind of um, go from, because we all know that things are possible, right? Especially in the culture these days, everything's possible, you know, yeah. but it's yeah. another thing to stand up and say, you know what, I want to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do everything in my power to be able to do it. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So it was definitely that, that like I mentioned from the age of 20, I was like, yeah, I believe I can be the best in the world at this. Then you know, nine years later, um, lining up for the 2011 uh, World Championships, the year that I got second. But in the days before that, I was chatting with John McLean and I'd been reading his books. You know, he's a famous Australian Paralympian, um, English Channel athlete, Hawaii Ironman Hall of Famer. And his books, he's so driven just to win. And I was like, oh, it's like three days, two days before the race. I was like, John, I've been aiming for a podium. You know, how do you get that mindset of just wanting to win? And he, you know, basically said, look, you can't just get it instantly. It doesn't shift. Like you can't turn around and in two days time have that mindset. So I ended up coming second. That's what I'd been aiming for. That's what happened. And from that day though, it was like, right, it's no longer just, I believe that one day I will win. It was, I want to win this. And, you know, the lead up to Hawaii really is around three months of training the last three months where it's like right knuckle down lock, lock batten down the hatches don't go out don't do anything else and focus 100 on what i needed to do for just for um the race to win it and that's what changed so suddenly i became more focused so those little things that i needed to do for let's say um you know to keep my guts which weren't real great at the time to settle them down and improve them i was taking my supplements and all of that became easy I was making sure I was doing a few things a day every um, every day. So three things a day that improved my ability to perform in Hawaii. Yeah, so yeah. that would be a nap, foam rolling, you know, a massage. That counted as a session. So it didn't have to be swim, bike or run. It had also had restorative because I had this very holistic approach even back then and I coached myself. So I went by instinct and went by feel. And I just had a mentor that helped me mentally get in the right headspace. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a big thing, and and I totally got what John McLean had been always so felt so strongly because he just wanted things so badly. Um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool to to do that, and the and the 
days leading into the race, you know, I've got some great footage of being interviewed beforehand by one of my sponsors back then, ASICS. And, you know, I'm so relaxed. Mm. I was just like, yeah, well, this is, I've just got to go through the motions now, like, and not stuff it up. I said, it's mm-hmm. like, I've done everything that I needed to do. I'm here. I'm calm. I'm confident. Um, there's nothing else to do except go out there and do it. And then that gave me the ability to be calm and confident on race day and then not stuff it up Mm -hmm. because that's all I had to do was just make those thousand right decisions on race day. It wasn't about how hard I could go on race day. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just how present I could stay, how calm, make the right decisions, um, keep that confidence and keep uh, that efficiency of just, you know, going through with uh, what I'd been visualizing in training. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Peter, I remember when we first met and it was when I was just working in sales at the Manly running store. So I was in part-time role and I remember you walked into this running store and I was getting into triathlon. And I remember when people talked about you at that time. So you were up and coming, right? You were fastest out of the water. Uh, you were a fast runner, but you were often patchy with the races and you were mm. still learning to put them together. And I remember even then uh, you had a confidence in you and for some people it rubbed them the wrong way. And my question is, I think that that as a lot of these business owners start to set a goal and it might be to help a certain number of people or to create a business that looks a certain way and start to want that goal. uh, Often it can feel a little bit lonely because not everybody uh, necessarily is drawn towards that energy. Does that resonate at all? And it's, it's almost like you had a mentor, you said, and I know you trained with a few people and mm-hmm. had a, a fairly small kind of circle. Um, could you just quickly speak to that at all? Like, how did you, how did you put your neck out and how did you kind of just cop what people were saying and push through? And I don't know if that lands yeah. at all. I'm sure you were aware yeah, of this at the yeah, time. Yeah. There's a bit there. Um, yeah. It's definitely was around, yeah, I definitely had doubters because of those missed fired races, which came back to health issues that I'd had when I was a kid and which has led me to my current career in, in health coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that fatigue that would jump up out of nowhere, basically, or well, seemingly out of nowhere, looking back, I could you know pinpoint a lot of things. But then if I felt good on race day, I would go and win the race. I'd go and win an Australian championship on not much training. That's right. I was yeah. just like, I remember. felt great. And that, that, that day that I won that race and beat Crowey, um, I had a lead off the bike because I was just like, I haven't done the training. I haven't done the running. I'm not fit enough. I'm just going to go for it and enjoy it. And my goal for this race is get off the bike first. And I just felt good on the day, got off the bike with enough of a lead that I then was able to pace myself on the run and come home strong and and win it. And so that's where I, I had that confidence and belief in me because I knew how good I felt and what my body could give me when it was healthy. Mm-hmm. But what people mistook was that I just didn't have my shit together and didn't know how to, um, whether it was train right, race right, or I was overly confident and that I wasn't actually that good because they'd see the bad results. Um, and so by then, when it really came to fruition, like that whole doubters and everything, yeah, I'd come top 10 in Hawaii in 09 and then 010 again. I'd come eighth, then ninth. 
Um, even in tw- even in twelve, the odds were because you know people we put some money on you because the odds were great. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people were still doubting you at that time, even with podium finishes. Yeah, yeah. I had the fastest run in '09, and it was like the third fastest of all time um, in in '09 or '010, I think it was. Um, and so I knew what I could do and I loved it. And that's where, you know, we spent time running, working on run technique. And, you know, that's where a lot of my running improvement had come from. But um, so in by 2011, I come second and I've got that, right, how do I now go first place? And there are people doubting it. There are people, and it's not just that they're doubting it. It's that there are trolls who are just trolls. Yeah. You know, tall poppy syndrome in Australia yeah. is terrible. Yeah, and there are people on social media, and Twitter was around. I, I wasn't even on Instagram; wasn't even around, or wasn't yeah. even on it yet. Um, and so Twitter was, you know, rife with a few. Just only takes one or two dickheads, but it feels like there's about a thousand. Oh uh, yeah, um, I remember. Yeah. Anyway, I went to a kinesiologist, and he was like, "Okay, testing me with words for strength," and he found that the word love made me stronger. And so he was like, you have to use the word love more, love the haters, love the doubters, um, love everyone. And, and I really took that a heart. And so that became a trigger word that I used in training when I was visualizing certain parts of the race, say I was running down the finish line against Crowey. And I'd visualize that when I'm doing a tempo run. And then I'd say the word love to myself and all those doubts would disappear. And now looking back, I, I know that the, the word was just a trigger to bring me present, to make me feel gratitude. And gratitude mm-hmm. totally cancels out ego, which is fears, doubts, past, present. I mean, past and future. And so I was using that word, used it over there in Hawaii, had a playlist of songs. Mm. Um, so I had these things that were resonating all the time around that. And then the, the morning of the race, I told all my friends and supporters, like remind me that I love this remind me that I love the challenge you know I love the pain I love all of you guys and it was you know super emotional as every day is before the race but that year particularly you know with that like I could see that I was ready to win and so it was um and I had everything lined up like I said I had the trigger I had the friends and family I had the performance the year before um and I felt good and uh yeah so in the race i had you know they were writing you know you love this and yelling at me you and love this and that kind of thing and and it made me smile it made me me happy while i was out there on the course um and it made me calm and present as i said that that trigger word was really just something that made me allowed me to practice very quickly and easily being present which you know is just such an amazing skill to to practice um and yeah, it was that to answer your question. I've forgotten now. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's great. So by yeah. trigger word, you could, you know, would you also say something like a mantra or something that people have as a reminder that they could use um, in their business or why they're doing things or something of that nature, but you got this trigger word from a kinesiologist. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I would use it in any situation there where you feel a little bit of anxiety or nervousness doubts or fears which i'm sure as business owners is you know it's daily probably um and i do use it in those sort of situations um 
before anything, if I do feel nervous before like a podcast interview, because we've got our own podcast too and interview some people and, and I still do gym work and all of this other stuff. So some of the key things for me that really clears all that is no expectations. That's my, one of my favorite phrases. And I just say it to myself in my head. Um, I can be walking up to a max rep effort in the gym and I'll just say in my head, no expectations and walk up there as loose as if I'm about to go lay on the couch. Mm-hmm. There's no emotional change. There's no adrenaline. There's no, there's no fear or, or anything that needs to change when you're doing something that's incredibly hard. And that's where training your mind in a stressful situation, such as the gym or during any exercise where your body is also, it's not just your brain giving you feedback, but your body is also giving you feedback that this is a bit stressful. Yeah. If you have to work to overcome the brain and the body telling you this is stressful, you get like a hundred times, you know, 10 X the benefit of that uh, ability to be present and calm and in yeah. control. Yeah. So I use it there. Um, you got this. That's a great one, of course. And that's a really simple one. You just kind of go, you got this. Um, and I had a client the other day and he was going to a race and I said, have you got a trigger phrase that you've already related to something? And he's like, oh, one day I was going training and my wife said, you know, don't embarrass me. <laughs> and that became like a running joke between them. Yeah. And it became their thing where when he's going to go training and he needs to just get in that zone of focus of like, you know, there's the person I love, there's a joke, you know, and, and he was like, oh, actually I do. So he used that before a race just to get him calm, relaxed, present. Yeah. Uh, and so you can use anything and you can use it on your own. You can get somebody else to say it, your cheerleader, you know, if you've got a business partner and, and Jamie, my wife's my business partner and, you know, we try and be each other's cheerleaders in between, you know, butting heads, but yeah. So having a cheerleader that you can relate to a trigger phrase is, is brilliant or just use it on your own. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. So you've talked about uh, wanting the goal being a process that we can kind of lean into uh, you talked about the trigger phase, which is really cool. Uh, it's interesting because when you spoke about that bit at the gym and being relaxed with your max lifts, I remember when we had the gym in Melbourne and I remember putting up some lifts on Instagram at some point and you, you wrote me a message and you said something like, oh, it's pretty good, mate. It'd be good if you just relaxed your face. <laughs> and I remember at the time that was, I was like, uh, he does, I was like, he doesn't understand how hard this is to do this lift. But, you know, obviously we had talked a little bit about that with running and that was really interesting because I remember that clicking and that carrying, um, I, I call it now in the gym, don't become a victim of yourself. Don't do a lift and look like a victim. If your face looks like you're getting like, you know, punched yeah. in the face. Or, or having a heart attack. Then. Yeah, you're not, you're, your, your underlying physiology knows that, right? Yep. So anyway, this leads us into the, the, the question I'd love to ask you is, you know, there's this culture that we're in where people love this concept of, um, you know, do what it takes at all costs and, and pain and, and falling in love with the hype and the struggle. And I get it, right? Like, mm. you know, obviously to do something like Hawaii or to build a business it does take resilience and it does, it does take effort and, you know, consistency and persistence and these things. Mm. But, you know, you've talked about love when we used to train, you used to talk about training easy Mm. and you used to joke that a lot of the other professionals would 
train way too hard and struggle a lot. And you would just relax a lot and you ended up, you know, winning the world title. I would love for you to talk a little bit about, do we need to, you know, a la David Goggins, like throw ourselves in the pit of fire and, and push through everything? Or is there another way? Is there a way that we can do things a little bit easier and still get the results that we want? How do you think about how you like to feel when you're pursuing your goals, either in the past or present? Mm. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Um, certainly when you're pursuing a physical goal, it's pretty obvious um, that, and everybody's different in the way that they train though, but you know, having that history of being more fragile with my health and not having anyone there to explain the holistic all the things that were going on that I now explain to others in the situation that I've been in in the past um it was really just like okay just control ego and if I start to feel tired just let it go and not feel guilty for missing a session um so ego was a big part of it and I guess that's the same for if you if you in a business and I'm doing that now where some days it just isn't happening. You wake, you've woken up, you've eaten something you shouldn't have eaten the day before your brain's a bit foggy. You've overdone the caffeine, which I've now learned and I don't have coffee anymore. Um, but for whatever reason, your brain's foggy and you just need to do something different. And so back when I was professional triathlete, that would be okay. Well, instead of going out on the road and riding hills for four hours, I'll just ride easy on the wind trainer for a few hours um but really easy and this is at the peak of my fitness so a few hours was like nothing you know um but really easy and i would do it though with no guilt and that was the biggest lesson that i learned in my mid-20s i would say when i was having some bad bouts of fatigue and then one of the races i just felt good mm -hmm. but I only came like fifth or something in this half iron man but I remember really distinctively that day just going, oh my God, this feels so good just to be able to do, to push my body on this day. Mm -hmm. And so from that day on, I really just realized that ego was nothing. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what place I came. It didn't matter if I kept up with people in training or not. It was just do as much as I can do. And that is how I'm going to get to the goal and how I'm going to be happy yeah. at the end of all of this. Yeah, And, you know, it, it's, it's a cliche, but it's about the journey, not the destination. I mean, life is a journey. And the three months leading up to the world championships were, you know, I wouldn't go out to, I, I, like I said, back then, actually, I didn't drink coffee till after I'd won. And now I don't drink it again. And, but I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone to a coffee shop anyway for even a cake or a cup of tea or anything. Um, I did everything that I could and not waste time sitting around talking BS with people. I would be home stretching, resting, put my feet up, have a lie down. And so that's what I do nowadays. If it's not working, it's like, okay, well, I'll just go lie in bed, do some breathing exercises for 10 minutes. Yeah. Get the oxygen levels back in. Like I'll do some basically restricted breathing to get the CO2 levels back up to help push some oxygen back into the cells. Um, and come back a bit clear-headed or I'll lay in the sun and the sun will do a similar thing as well. Or I'll just go read a book in the sun. And so I'm getting yeah. the sun and a break from work. And so just taking ego out of it and taking away guilt is such a huge factor of balancing your health 
um, and listening to your body. You can't listen to your body. You're not aware. As we keep saying, the awareness that we had when you and I were running and talking about technique for two hours on a 30K run, we couldn't have had that if, if you or I were being pushed by the other person. If I was always running like a meter ahead of you and you were trying to keep up or if you were pushing when I didn't feel good. So just be, because, you know, what would have happened is we would have had fear and doubt in our heads like, oh, my God, I wonder if he's going to slow down soon. I wonder if how much longer I can keep up. Mm, okay. And all of that takes you out of the present moment, which allows is all ego and no longer aware of is my body relaxed? Is my breathing relaxed? So you make it harder for yourself and it compounds. Then you make poor decisions by not yeah. saying, oh, I need to stop and just get a drink for a minute, John. Like you start to just push and push and push and you don't look after yourself until you're in a hole. And, you know, and that's, that's what people do very easily in business, mm. in, in sport, um, in every aspect of their life, they're, they're losing that awareness. And, mm. and I guess modern life is a, you know, that helps do that. It, it, it aids in losing awareness and, and taking us away from the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. That really resonates. And, uh, I think of, I hadn't thought about this before, but when you brought up that, that, uh, image of running together and how it would feel, you know, we were, we're thinking about things feeling easy and a place that comes to mind for business owners is marketing and content marketing in particular, especially now there's a lot of, you know, uh, to speak to the people that you want to serve is important to create content that can connect with these people is important mm. but it can be very difficult and if you go into it really strained uh and you're trying to put content out or you're trying to do a video and you're really stressed and you're really strained and it's a lot of effort it we it, it's felt through the content and so what i'm hearing is sometimes if you're not feeling it you're better off just to go for a quick walk to the beach or sit outside and have another go when you feel a little more relaxed because that's going to be the fastest way to make that connection or to get where you want to go on a bigger picture anyway versus necessarily pushing through the struggle like i guess it's going to be a balance right sometimes you'll still have to push through but there's this bigger picture of not not straining yourself not pushing against what's natural or what is uh i guess optimal or, or healthy at the time yeah and and the key phrase i love is quiet confidence and that's in any aspect of business or sport or life is quiet confidence comes from being in the present moment but it also mm -hmm. comes from having a little bit of confidence and confidence gives you foresight so that you can see what's going to happen ahead of it happening like just a split second even or even up to seeing it six months ahead of time um, but that split second of foresight means creating content, particularly, um, you know, sometimes we created content with a, with a company, with um, math company, Phil Maffetone's company. And this girl came out, interviewed me and was asking me questions. And she was sort of asking me so she could cut it together in a promo. So I was trying to put everything that I could into like each answer. So it would cover the promo and she did. And she was like, Oh, and, I'm not saying this to blow my own horn, but Jamie keeps telling me like this as well or telling people like, oh yeah, the girl was like really impressed that Pete could put it all together and answer each question with the information that she wanted to get out of me. And she was like, oh, you're really good at that. And 
And I said, oh, well, I, a, I have done a bunch of interviews before, like that's mm-hmm. part of the job as an athlete. And, and I said, but also that having that quiet comp, I didn't say it, but the reasoning why I have that ability to speak ahead of what you're about to say is, um, or, <laughs> and now I'm not doing what I want to do, but is that quiet confidence allows you to be present, but also have the confidence to say what you want to say without worrying about getting it wrong, without being nervous about getting it wrong, without being anxious about saying the wrong thing or not getting your message perfectly across. Yeah. So if you can just be in the present moment with a quiet confidence and that's not, you know, beating your chest and saying, I'm, I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to be the best in the world at this. It's just about being calm and present and, yeah, when it comes to creating content, that's all it takes. Just just be calm and present um, and that quiet confidence of being able to see yourself doing what you're doing a split second ahead of doing it. But as you said, you can't do that if you're in that state of a, like, if you're not feeling great at the minute, if energy's not up, if you're not feeling that quiet confidence, then that's not the time to do it because you will stumble over what you're trying to say and you will get nervous and you will kind of snowball into a, a bit of a negative headspace. Mm, I love that. So we had the wanting of the goal. We had the trigger words, which I loved. And we had this concept of quiet confidence, which to me sounds like a really healthy way to go about the business journey as well. A lot less stress, a lot less frenzy. Um, yeah. See everything going well, as opposed to seeing what, is going to go wrong. And that's what quiet confidence is. And drawing from someone like Usain Bolt or Michael Jordan, you know, there's a great doco with Michael Jordan on Netflix that, you know, someone once asked him, what happens if you miss the shot? And he's like, I've never, ever thought of missing the shot. Like only an idiot would think, am I going to miss this shot as you're about to take the shot? Yeah. And it's that simple. The, the professional athletes at that level are so good at just taking what they do and do it, but age group athletes don't do it. They're full of ego. They're full of doubts and fears when it's all mindset that makes these athletes as good as they are. Being able to see the ball go in before you've let it go just means that you will move your body in that minute little tiny chaos way that means you're more likely that you're going to shoot it in. It's just... You know, it's amazing how mindset will create what we want to do and then we'll just go and do it. And that's exact same for business, that quiet confidence. You're only thinking about how well things are going to go and then you and then it will just happen. Yeah, I love it. Well, Pete, I could talk to you for another couple of hours, but we'll call it there just for the, this episode. I have to do another one and get you back on. Where can people find you and who are you helping at the moment? Tell us a little bit about what the work that you're doing. Um, working with clients that generally like to do a little bit of exercise, by no means uh, any elites sort of thing, but their real focus is on how do they get a bit healthier? How can they improve their aerobic capacity so that every aspect of their life feels better? So those that are a bit low on energy from like, you know, um, guys in their 20s to guys in their 70s um, and women as well, um, that just experiencing fatigue. And so my speciality that I love talking about is energy. Mm-hmm. You know, what is what is energy? How do we get more of it? Um, and all of the aspects that you've talked about 
over the past few years on on your shows and everything is you know those aspects of energy of, of oxygen getting into the cells of balancing with good sleep and all those other little somewhat biohacking tools of just avoiding modern day <laughs> yeah. modern day problems is biohacking in a way yeah um you know blue lights and all of those sorts of things so yeah, get in touch. Uh, I'm just anywhere at Pete J Jacobs on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook. Um, our business is Live Your Own Fit, and we've got our own podcast. Search my name, and the podcast will come up um, that Jamie and I do together. And yeah, so find us anywhere and get in touch if you're after that. Focus on how do you get more energy and just feel better. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you so much. It's great work that you guys are doing, and we definitely need more of that uh especially now as you know a lot of people are i think feeling a little bit lower on the energy after the last couple of years and uh you know lots going on so i think that's really important yeah awesome it's been great to catch up and uh chat with you today awesome pete thanks so much we'll see you on the next one bye